0: Hello and welcome to the Road of the Trials podcast where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the 2024 Olympic Marathon Trials. And today we have our final intro episode with the full roster here at Road of the Trials Season 3 and that is none other than CJ Albertson. CJ, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I think it's been a few years now since I've since I've been on doesn't feel that long but That's true i think a
0: good good memory it was a few years ago so you were on the rambling runner podcast and we yeah. spoke after was it the world indoor marathon like world record is that what it was
1: i i'm not exactly sure when it was i I'm think pretty it, was sure it was after the, the 20 armor 20 trials so
0: okay yeah i don't know if we spoke after the trials i think this was after because I, th- yeah, I
1: think it was you, you basically trials. did the
0: full rounds after the trials, but I think we spoke like it was. What, I remember it was like one of your first podcasts. I think. Yeah, it, I was it before CIM of 2019. I think it was. I think it was between the Armory and CIM, or maybe it was after. I, I forget. Like the the
1: yeah I forget
0: I, the order of events.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't quite remember either. But it was somewhere <laughs> around that end of 2019 time. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely it that point. Like it's like, crazy. That's where that's four years ago now
0: almost. it doesn't feel that
1: way no no that's
0: for sure right time looks like time it's it's like you know you're a parent you know this it's like time especially this couple of years it feels kind of like parenting time where like the days go by really slow but the, like the months go by really fast and like it's like this odd dichotomy and you can probably expand it out to the years <laughs> as well
1: yeah <laughs> all right Definitely.
0: so you're one of the best marathoners in the country, and you have been for a number of years now. And I think that's, you know, we're doing these intro episodes. Uh, Some of the people who we're introducing to the audience are lesser known runners that are obviously super talented and really fun to listen to, but at the same time, maybe newer to the audience. I think there are other people like yourself and Nell Rojas that a lot of the audience probably has a pretty good understanding of right from the jump, just because of what you've been able to do on the, the, the national and international stage over the last couple of years. So I don't want to dive too deep into your background. I would tell people, hey, Go check out the Rambling Runner podcast, from as we mentioned, like several years ago, and a bevy of other podcasts. CJ has already been on and already talked about all of this stuff at length. There's no need to regurgitate all of that. With that said, a lot of people love following you. They love following you on Strava. You are a you know I think you approach your your training in a unique way compared to some of your peers, and not. Um, no it's not like completely unique but i think a little different than some of those other people at the same time you're also a coach so uh, i guess before we get dive into your running let's just talk about the coaching side what's that what's that been like for you as a coach and how are things going with you with your team in the upcoming season
1: yeah i've been coaching um <clears throat> since before i started marathon running i mean they kind of started right around the same time but since 2018 um and it's uh yeah, I mean, I think overall it's been going well. I mean, I think with everything in life, you have your ups and down moments, but um, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's been going good. Um, I mean, I, I was named the women's state coach of the year this year, so I guess I can't say it's bad because it's <laughs> good. That's like the highest thing you can get. Um, but yeah, I mean, coaching is, is. I think it's 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 fun and challenging because it's different. Um, every day even. I mean, obviously, um, community college, you get a lot of turnover. So every year, your team is a lot different. Um, Whereas, you know, even in high school and and four-year schools, you kind of have the same group for a while. But community college, we turn over really fast. So every every year is completely different than the last. Um, And even, you know, week to week, I mean, you have just different things coming up. And so, um, yeah, just figuring out how to try to how to get the most out of each day, out of each week, out of each season for each individual athlete, I think is uh there's never a right answer or a right way to do it. And you're always kind of guessing, but with, you know, some, e- with some evidence, knowledge and hunches behind those guesses. Um, And then, you know, sometimes you guess right and sometimes you guess wrong. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it's been interesting just to, just to, Be going through that, and and just knowing that I'm gonna, you know, hopefully, be doing this for a long time and be learning a lot, um, both on the on the physical aspect of training different types of athletes, but also just on the connecting, mentally and emotionally side, um, on how to interact with, you know, with different types of athletes and how to how to get the best out of them.
0: Yeah, and we should say, as someone who lives in California, the California JUCO community college system is a little different than other places in the country it's extremely strong it's extremely popular uh and it's just a more robust thing like i'm i'm in rhode island i've been here my whole life like there isn't a robust community college junior college um situation out here so i think it, it, some people may not be as aware of, of other things like nico montanez from this season former community college you know juco runner Season two, Abe Alvarez. Same thing. You know, he went JUCO and then and then just like uh Nico uh went on to run at BYU. So, you know, there's certainly some high-level athletes that can come from those programs. So with that said, it's not just about high-level running. So when you're incorporating or when you're working with these athletes, if you had to like, if you had to divvy it up like in like uh like a communication pie, how much of it is about like like how to train in the proper protocols and instituting the right fundamentals with them versus just like the day-to-day working with them, just human to human to try to make sure that they're able to kind of
1: live the life that they're trying to live. I, Yeah. I mean, I think with each, with each athlete, that, that ratio is different. Um Some, yeah, some don't really care that much about the, the, I guess the science or the ins and outs of training, they just kind of show up and they run what, you know, they, (laughs) what I tell them to run and, 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 you know, and so our conversations are are more just about life or, you know, maybe how to run a workout, but um, yeah, I mean, I think they're just all different. And I think it's also interesting because, you know, people are people. And so you naturally um, kind of talk easier with people, I guess, and so some people, you know, we naturally just have more conversations, and as a coach, that's always a little bit weird, because you try to, you try to divvy up your time, and talk the same way, or the same amount of time to everyone, um, but then at the same time, you also just click with certain people, um, or, or just conversations just kind of come more naturally, or easier, or like, you know, you, or, or maybe even as an athlete yourself, you had one coach that you just talked to, like, about a bunch of things all the time, then other, coaches where you you know you showed up you did the workout you interacted and there was nothing wrong with it you enjoyed your time you got better but you know you didn't have some of those other types of conversations so yeah it's always interesting with every athlete is different and then timing wise too um you know typically my conversations with athletes I've had for two years are different than ones where it's it's my first season with them just because we haven't built that connection yet and and again that ease of conversation typically happens you know as you know someone for longer um so yeah i mean the the the, the ratio is just different and those longer conversations um typically happen you know once um we, we've kind of both like gotten to know each other and it, and it just kind of flows
0: now, as a former college coach myself, I feel like I could talk on this topic the entire podcast, but I'm going to save it. We can talk about this later on in the year for sure. I have so many more questions uh, I want to ask, but I'll just save that for now. Just as a little teaser for later in the year, uh, as you guys progress through your track season. So, what I, the question I've asked everyone has, at the beginning of each intro episode, uh, usually not waiting till minute 8:30 to get there, but it was, you know, I'm giving myself a little bit of leeway. On this one, is basically take us back. To the twenty twenty trials, and for you, that was a, a huge day. You finished seventh at the trials, and you finished you know under two minutes away from the podium. So obviously, there's there's a lot to like from that day. Maybe some maybe some regrets as well because you were very close to getting um you know a big goal of yours. So just take us back to that day from what you remember most about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember um, I was in shape, and so you know that's it's always. F- it's always fun, but also some nerves when you're in shape, because you you know you know you can run fast, but um, if you will run fast, you know that's that's another question, especially in the marathon. Um, you never you know you never truly know what what's gonna happen, um, but yeah, I mean I think I had never really placed uh, really high in a in a high level national competition, um, really ever in my life, high school, college you know, um, post-collegiately. And so I was in position to do so. And then, you know, during the race, I just, I ran the race that I knew I could run and, um, and finishing seventh, I think was great. I don't really have any regrets about it. I mean, I would have, you know, obviously loved to been top three. Um, but I think the finishing where I finished was, was pretty realistic. Um, and, and also just was an accomplishment that I was able to, Basically, run like to my fitness level um, and you know, and, and achieve what I knew I could because I think a lot of people get to a place where they are fit and they can run fast and they can have a good performance, but they just never quite have that race where it comes together. And um, I don't know that you know, hopefully, the 2020 won't be like my perfect race that I ever had. You know, I you know, you always know there's more, but but that one was a pretty good one um, especially up until that point it was for sure the best one so uh, yeah i mean it, overall it was just it was a great day
0: <laughs> and you were well known amongst the people who were you know huge running fans right so you're not someone like you mentioned who had, had like enormous breakout Type experiences, unless like you count like running an indoor marathon, a 200 meter track, a breakup <laughs> performance, which is like a completely separate conversation. But with that said, a lot of people knew you very well. So when you kind of charge to the front early on, which is something you've done other races as well there definitely was a segment of the population who was watching like oh cj Alberson, i know cj other people maybe weren't, weren't quite as aware at that point um that you were there so heading into the trials i think oftentimes again maybe not from an athlete perspective but as a media member who was watching it and just as also as a big fan of the sport it was kind of like okay the common consensus was galen and jared were odds-on to make the podium, and then it was, like, who could be third? Like, in there was this wide swath of people, like, who would you pick for third? I remember, like, Sidious Mag, Track, a bunch of places kind of put out little surveys, and it was kind of, like, what you saw all over the place. It was, like, it was Jared, it was Galen, it was kind of, like, but who could be the third person? When you were going into the race, did you have certain place goals, or how did you approach just, like, how you were going to... um Interact with your competition uh during the race.
1: I, I think everyone that uh you know could realistically run two twelve or under obviously had the place goal of, of being top three. I mean it's the Olympic trials, so that's what that's what you're trying to do. That's what we we're all trying to do. Um, you know, at least for those top thirty or forty guys. But uh, yeah, but besides being top three, top ten was a major goal. Um I mean, it's it's just one that's a round number, but you know, I think that you know, top ten in a national competition is just a a, a big thing, and and for me, it's, it's something that I thought I could achieve, um, and I was right, I was able to achieve it, um, and you know, there, realistically there was probably at least thirty guys that had a shot of being top ten, um, and I was I wasn't necessarily better on paper than any of those other 30 guys, but I had, uh, you know, the better race or, or maybe I was more prepared. I don't know, but, um, you know, I was able to do that. So yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: that was a big race. So obviously you did the the podcast, like, you know, um, you know, the the media tour after that, talking to a lot of people about how that race went. And for good measure, it's been a couple of years now. When you look back on that race, how has it impacted? Obviously, you talk about COVID and things like that, but how has it impacted not only your performances and your training since then, but also your approach in terms of where you fit in American marathoning um just generally speaking.
1: Well, I mean, first it allowed me to um to be sponsored and you know and, and be professional, I guess. Uh so um, you know, allowing me to have this sponsorship with brooks. Um, you know, is definitely a big part of it and just allowing you to train and, and keeping the motivation there. Um definitely have a, a sponsor backing you and, and having, you know, great gear. Um, you know, and obviously money is a, a, a pretty decent motivator. <laughs> um but Um, yeah, so that was a, that was a big one. And then also I think it's just whenever you do train well and you do get into good shape, um, that is a big barrier, a big barrier, but it's, it's nothing compared to the barrier of knocking something down in a race. So finishing, you know, at a high level at a race, um, it, it just, I don't know. It just gives you a sense of confidence that you can do that again. Um, and it, it's just more confidence that anything in training can give you. Even though, like, getting fit is the prerequisite, you know, you can't manufacture, like, it's just not the same as, as placing high in a, in a big race like that. So, I think that was the biggest thing, is just like, okay, like, that it's almost like the monkey off your back, like, I can compete now in big races. And then from there, it was just kind of, like, expected, like, okay, yeah, like, these guys did all beat me in college, or in college, you know, they, like, I wasn't at this level, but now, like, I am, um, whereas before that race, it was like, okay, I feel like I'm at this next level with all these guys, and, like, lining up at the Olympic Trials, I was confident, but it was like I was still kind of like an outsider because I had never had an actual performance that put me, you know, actually at, at, at the top with, with the top group, and then that race did. And so, um, yeah, it just, you know, it just gives you confidence moving forward. And I think from that, um, or since then I've, i viewed myself as, as one of the top guys. And so even when, even when the fitness isn't necessarily there, you still have that mindset that you're one of the top guys. Uh, and it's just, it's just easy. It's in a way it's easier to do something you've already done before. So, um, like I, I can, I can race at the front of a race maybe with less fitness, but just more experience because I've done it before. Um, not that I should have less fitness. Yeah. I was going to say, problem, yeah. I follow you on the
0: can't imagine there being a lot of times where you're less fit, but, like, but before well, you just, had that, yeah,
1: yeah keep going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a, like it, it definitely requires more fitness to do something you've never done before than it does to do something you have done before. And I think anyone that's, that's, well, I think any runner can relate to that. Like you had to be in really good shape to, to hit some massive PR. And then after that, you still got to be in good shape, but you don't, not everything has to go right. You don't necessarily have to be at your best shape. There's something about the body just remembers it and it just knows it and it expects to be at a certain way. And um, obviously if you don't have enough fitness, it's just not going to happen regardless. But um, that, that, that doing it before, there's a lot to it.
0: I've heard you talk about the outsider status uh, on a couple of different podcasts before over the years. Before you had that breakout performance at the Olympic Trials, did you feel like you raced and or trained
1: with kind of like a chip on your shoulder? I don't think I ever had a chip on my shoulder. Um, I think it was more. It was more that I I didn't. I don't think I would view the other competitors as, as peers, it was more like, Oh, these are the guys I I watched compete to win NCAAs. Or these are the guys I watched on TV at the last Olympic trials. Or these are the guys that I watched in the Olympics or, you know, these are the guys I've been like following as a fan of the sport um, and, and seeing what they run and how they train. Um, And, and it was like, I, I knew I could run with them but it was still like yeah it was still more of like kind of seeing them from a fan perspective rather than like I'm their competitor obviously when I lined up with them I'm really competitive so I never like I never lacked the desire to, to beat anybody <laughs> but um, I think it's just when you're kind of sitting at home you know you're you're kind of like you view them as like oh these are the professional good runners and you know I'm doing my thing and training hard and I'm fit but it's you know, it's like a, like a different world, I guess.
0: So during the COVID years, after you had this big breakup performance, all of a sudden, like you reached that, that next level, the level that you were just talking about, and all of a sudden all the races get kind of like pulled away from you in a sense, during those, during that time when all of a sudden the, the, the racing landscape had significantly shifted, what were some of the key motivators for you to keep training hard and to keep preparing for what could come in the future?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think like some, some events got, got put on. Um, I think being with Brooks definitely helped and they helped get the, the first time I set the 50 K world record. Um, they helped, uh, you know, put that on. Um, and we just did it around my, my high school track, um, which was fun. And then they had the, the marathon project that, the, uh, you know, the, they put on in Arizona. And so people just, you know, kind of creating opportunities and creating races, um you know, that kind of kept me going because I had something to do. But, yeah, I mean, I think overall motivation wasn't wasn't super high. Um, but, I mean, I think that that's kind of how it is. Like, you can't necessarily train at 100% all the time. It's like if there isn't something big coming up, you don't necessarily have to be training at 100%. Um, you kind of just have to be doing enough to, like, maintain so you're never too far off. Um, and then you can really mentally and physically dial in when, you know, when you really need to. Um, and so that was kind of my mentality. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the best of time, but it wasn't terrible either. And I think, you know, I got enough enough in and, uh, you know, there were some good opportunities that came.
0: All right. Let's fast forward a little bit to 2022. So let's talk about last year. You ran three marathons uh, in the spring. You did Boston and Grandma's, correct? Yeah. All right. So let's walk me through those races. Obviously, the, the times were very similar. That doesn't mean the experiences were, were very similar. Uh, walk me through both of those races and how they fit. How in terms of how you hoped they would go.
1: Yeah, Boston. Um, I think that when I first started training for Boston, maybe like 10, 12 weeks out, I wasn't. I wasn't in great shape at all. Um, it was. Yeah, I'd gotten like in really out of shape it felt like and I and I actually had gotten COVID before and then um yeah and then all the like all of a sudden it seemed like really fast I got in really good shape and just started having these like there was like a block of like three or four weeks where something just happened and I just got like really fit and it kind (laughs) of not that it came out of nowhere but I was like I was a little surprised myself like wow like I'm like running I mean I, I started doing really good long runs um I did like kind of a a marathon as a a long run, um, and felt just great in it, Um, and yeah, had some workouts that are on YouTube and stuff now, but, so going into Boston, I mean, I felt really fit, I was really fit, Um, and, and and I raced like I was fit for the first, maybe, 22 miles, I mean, I was with the leaders, and I actually felt decently good, Um, you know, coming up over Heartbreak Hill, I was a little bit surprised to still be in the lead, or you know, be with the leaders, um, you know, because I knew like I, I would maybe struggle in the hills a little bit, especially like if it was an honest pace, which it was. It was a fairly honest pace. We were out in sixty three twenty through the half, and then um, you know, I mean, we ran decent through the hills, and then yeah, coming over the hill, like I was like, wow, okay, I feel I feel pretty decent, and then I just started cramping up um, my my hamstrings and calves, just just both both legs, like all four <laughs> muscle groups just seized up. Uh, and so I was just trying to like do whatever I could to alter my stride to get to the finish line. Um, so that was, I mean, it was, a, I ended up PRing, but I mean, I lost about a minute to a minute and a half the last five miles. Um, and so it was, it was pretty, disa- it was disappointing because I felt like I could have, you know, contended for I don't remember, there was a guy, like, maybe, like, sixth or seventh, or maybe even fifth, I don't know, but I wasn't going to win, but I think contend for, like, a, you know, a pretty high spot, um, so, yeah, it was, Boston ended disappointing, but it was, uh, it was cool to be in that, in that field, like, that deep to go, and, and again, I wasn't going to win, I, I don't, I couldn't have dropped what, uh, you know what they what they did the last five k, but I, I felt like I could have competed for like fifth through eighth or somewhere around there.
0: Can I talk I about the was... uh, can I talk about the cramps for a second? I know there can be a lot of things that can lead to cramping. Uh, in retrospect, can you identify like what maybe led to that for you?
1: Um, no, I mean I think the the most uh, likely is just is just fatigue. I mean you have neuromuscular fatigue and it just it just happens. I mean you can being as hydrated as possible and, and having, you know, um, electrolytes and mineral, I mean, it, it can help a little bit. It, like if those, if those conditions are ideal, it can maybe stave off cramps a little bit, but, uh, and if those are unideal, if you're really dehydrated, it can definitely lead to more cramps, but I don't think it was that. I think it was just, it was mostly just neuromuscular fatigue. And I mean, it, I mean, you see, I mean, uh, was it, was it camera? don't uh, one of, one of the, really good guy. He was cramping up right in front of me too. So, I mean, it just happens. Especially in a race like Boston where you have a lot of hills, we, we had a decent amount of surges throughout the race. Um, you know, the, your muscles get tired in the marathon and, and that's <laughs> part of how fatigue shows itself is, For sure. you know, the muscles contract and they just don't relax. And that, that system just isn't working.
0: All right. So that, so that happens. You have, again, you, you turned it around pretty quick Going to Boston, had, again, 22 miles of, of really, really elite running. You turn it around, go back to Grandma's. Um, tell me about that. That's That mini-cycle heading into Grandma's and what you had hoped to get out of that race.
1: Yeah, after Boston, it was a little hard to train. We are finishing up the track season, and um, I was running. I wasn't really training, uh I don't know what my mileage was. It was it was pretty low, <laughs> but what's got low for you? What's low for you? Like 50, 60. Really? Maybe. Yeah. Wow. Like it, okay. I wasn't running much, and then I don't even know if it was that much actually, but I, I yeah um and I wasn't doing any workouts, and then I trained. I actually trained for maybe like two. Maybe three weeks, mostly two weeks. I was in Mammoth for two weeks. I was house sitting actually for, um, yeah, I was, I was house sitting and they, they lived in Mammoth. So it was cool. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so then I trained, I did like, I went from like hardly running to like 120 miles. Those like each week, the two weeks I was in Mammoth at and elevation right F- so 50, I got about- 50
0: miles, 50 miles at low land and just go, you know what? I'm going to increase this by 150% and do it at elevation.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I've done it before. I mean, I've, I, you know, I've ran that mileage before. So again, it's easier right, to do right. something you've already done yeah. before. But yeah, so I, I basically trained for like two weeks of like actually training. And then, uh, I don't know, a week later, ran the race. Um, and then that race, I just, I knew I wasn't like in <laughs> in the same type of fitness I was for Boston. So I just tried to run as, as easy as possible, just like as smooth and efficiently as I could and just even paced. Um, and we had, we had a, a decent tailwind the whole time and grandma's is a pretty easy course in terms of it's mostly flat. Um, I think even a slight net downhill. And again, we had a a tailwind most of the time. Um, and so I just ran that, um, just, yeah, I I think the, the effort wise, like if you, Compare. I mean, I ran way faster at Boston. It was just the overall time because I ran so slow at the end and it's so much more healier and you're running into a headwind the entire time at Boston. And I was leaning a lot of it, which doesn't help when you're running into a headwind. Um, and grandma's, I was just kind of sitting. And um, and so the, the overall time ended up decently fast, uh, but that was largely just due to the conditions and the fact that it was like pretty well paced and just smooth. Yeah, this is a great
0: reminder that you just can't look at times and just expect to know. Even in elite level road marathoning, right? obviously we all know this. Like in trail and ultra, where it's like, who cares what the times are? Every course is so wildly different; you can never make a comparison, even year to year on the same course. Things can be wildly different. But this is a great reminder that even in elite road marathoning, like it's again, it can, things can be can, things can vary wildly. Now, in the fall, you set the fifty k world record again. So here we go. You're, you're, you're back at it. And um, you had a wonderful podcast episode uh, with Finn Melanson on the single track podcast after that effort. Uh, I think it was like October 12th or 13th. I think that came out. So and I would advise anyone to go listen to that. You guys did a full deep full debrief on that and Finn does a great job and, and always is, is well versed with the questions and i I was Joe, I was actually on the phone with him last week and we were, we were talking and I was like I love I love the the frank conversation you guys had at the end where he was like hey like what does this mean be potentially getting into ultra and like you know he's he's biased he wants you to be in ultras and you know, he, <laughs> he he brews he for his team you know his, his sport and, and and Finn's a really good guy about it but I loved your response you're like hey man it's not about that like this was like all about like you know I got my Brooks contract and we got incentives and we're making things happen. And like, Hey, this is, this is what it was. And, and I loved the, the frankness at the same time. Like I wondered at that moment, like, all right. You obviously like getting world records is, is supremely interesting and highly, highly, like, I mean, just it's an extreme accomplishment that not many people can ever take at the same time. You obviously like, weren't, that's not your jam ultra running. So what was it like, like going into that attempt where like you're trying to do something that's extremely hard, but at the same time, it's not exactly like your favorite thing in the world and trying to marry the two and
1: and come out with, with the performance that you had. Yeah. Well, I want to say it's not my favorite thing. I actually do like it. It, Um, and I wish there was more races between 50 K to, uh, a hundred K that were on the road that were big. Um, yeah, you, comrades, you, you might have to
0: go down to South Africa just run comrades. Yeah. I think there's not yeah, a lot. But of, there's besides, not a lot of road running besides
1: comrades. There's really, there's really not. Yeah. Um, but if, but I mean, if that, if that was, if it was like, yeah, I mean, if those races were like, you know, Boston and London and you know all the major marathons, like, then, um, yeah, I would, I would like it. Well, I mean, I do like it. Like I and, like, that, and that. I don't mean yeah, to I put like words
0: that. in your mouth. Like, I, I guess like, maybe I wouldn't have been speaking yeah. out a turn. I was like but, trying but to derive yeah, I mean, what you were.
1: Yeah, to be, like, a full ultra runner, um, you're typically doing, you know, more things on the trails, and, um, I mean, you can do kind of, um, like, Camille does a lot of, like, like, just straight road things, um, but I don't necessarily want to go, like, that long yet and be doing, like, only long stuff, um, because, yeah, again, the marathon's just, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the 100 meters, uh, you know, of track, (laughs) like, it's. (laughs) That's what people love the hundred and people, or people love the merit, like comparing the marathon to ultra, like, it's not even a comparison, like people, um, and, and, you know, just, yeah. And, um, so I think that's, that's where it's at. So going into the 50 K it was really, yeah. I mean, I, I could make, um, good money with my contract. Um, it is, it is fun to do. I mean, it's fun to have a world record if you can, um, you know, so, so why not do it? Um, but yeah, it was an interesting time. I think the whole, the, the pat like the whole fall, yeah, most of the fall, um, and even up to now, it was just like, I feel like I didn't really have a whole lot of, um, emotion towards things. And so, you know, you're kind of just like doing things and it was like the 50 K was coming up and, you know, and I had kind of like. Found it, I was like, oh, this is an opportunity, it looks like it's a fast enough course. I I never even saw the course before. I just was like, it looks somewhat flat, I don't know, whatever, (laughs) it'll work. And then, uh, and like the week of, I just, I, mentally, I like wasn't, wasn't really doing great, and I didn't even really want to run it, um, it it didn't seem, like, running in general didn't seem fun, I didn't want to, like, drop, like, I just didn't really even want to do it, um... And then I did it, and then I was like, "Oh, that was cool! I set the world record." And then it was like, "Okay, I'm I'm done," <laughs> or like, "I I don't know." Like the whole thing was just like, it happened, and I had like brief periods of emotion, I think. But then I didn't, and then I feel like it's kind of like continued to now where there I haven't I haven't in a way I almost feel like I like, got, like, broken in a way because I can't feel, like, a lot of things. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, like, so it, it, it was just a weird time because it was like, oh, I, I set, I prepared and I set this world record and I was actually in better shape than I thought because I didn't really think I was in great shape going into it, but then when I actually got on the course and I saw my splits through the first loop, I was like, what the heck? Like, I don't even know how I'm running this fast because I felt really good. Uh, and then, and then I you know, just kind of cruise, like, the second half, and it was very, it didn't really feel challenging, like, I felt good, but it was just weird, because I, I didn't even really want to do it, like, the week of, not that I didn't want to do the 50k, but just, I was just, like, I don't really want to do running. <laughs> well, let's talk about that,
0: because I think that's, it that's an emotion that You know, this is like getting hurt as a runner. Like this is like part and parcel with it. Like everyone who's listening to this has experienced that. I haven't heard any elite runner, professional runner, express what you just expressed. But I hear, and I talk to amateur runners all the time. I'm an amateur running coach, and my Rambling Runner Podcast. That's what we talk about, and this comes up all the time on those podcasts. And again, these people are, are. they're a human just like you. And they ha- go through these periods of like, yeah, I just wasn't feeling it. Like, what, what can I say? Like, I just, I had this period of time where I wasn't feeling it. And then, you know, then it kind of came back and it does have this kind of ephemeral feel to it where like, you can't really put your finger on it. Like it just kind of, it comes and sometimes it goes and, and maybe it's hard to identify the demarcation point at both of those moments. Um, so with that being said, when you're going through that sort of period, How do you choose, like, what races to do or, or, and and things like that? Not, and obviously, there's some contractual elements there, certainly, because you're a pro runner and you're your sponsored athlete. But at the same time, like, you also want to, I'm assuming, like, pick things that are going to excite you to get you motivated into something that you can be fully invested in, not merely for external reasons, but for internal
1: ones as well. Yeah. I think sometimes you, you, you have to pick things. Um, knowing like i don't know i guess knowing that when you get there and do it 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 will have a, a high likelihood of of being enjoying or of of enjoyment or that you'll like it um so a lot of times i just sign up for things um because like like boston for example like it's it's hard to like be it's hard to be excited for boston like beforehand but i know when i get there and when I'm racing, I'm I'm going to be excited, um, and so yeah, you kind of just have to like, you kind of have to know what you'll feel like or or what you'll think or experience like, you know, before it happens, and just like, even though you can't feel that in the moments leading up, like up to it,
0: can you? So you you you. Done a really good job of expressing like how you felt in those moments where like you didn't quite have like the passion for it at certain points, right? Like you obviously you still performed extremely well, so like you know kudos to you for making it happen. Can you remember the moments or the times where like? you went to the uh, completely other end of the range where like, you were like, you've never been more hyped. Like you've been so passionate you were like, like you couldn't even like sit still. Cause you were just so amped for like a certain event, certain race, certain, certain training block or any, anything
1: like that. I think I usually, so I would say it's hard. It's hard for me to go back and like, and, and, and feel what that is, but I can, um, I can, I can, I think I can cognitively, like, remember, even though I can't, like, feel the, the, I can't remember the feelings, or feel the feelings, but I can cognitively know what, what it is, um, so, like, usually, when I'm at, it's either right when I'm beginning a training block, or when I'm at an event, um, so obviously, like, when you're beginning something, you're usually excited to start building up. Um, or when, but, but, but uh, for me, actually, no, it's when I'm building, that's probably not true for me. I'm never excited building up cause I'm, I'm only excited when I'm in shape. It's right at an event or right after. So like for the Olympic trials, like that was so, I mean, it was so fun. That was like one of the best weekends. It was just the energy atmosphere. Like I was so happy to be there. So happy to race. Being In the race, just hearing the crowds, just I mean, it was awesome. Boston was the same thing. Obviously, the first time when I read led and I was leading, it was just like, like, I mean, it was cool, it was fun. It, like, it was that, like, that's a just an experience that was awesome. The second time, um, like this past year in 2022, I was really fit, the energy was completely different because we were a year out of covid and the first year was i didn't realize how minimum how it minimal it was compared to what boston normally is so 2022 was like, I was like oh this is boston like and it was just wow. Right. like it was like this is so fun there's all like so much going on so much energy and like you're just so pumped to race and then when you're racing like the crowds are just so loud like everything about it is just like it's just it's just fun um and there's just, like, this, I, I, I don't really know how to, like, explain it, but it, it it's just, it's just, like, yeah, like, this is why you want to be fit so that you can race, like, in this environment and, like, try to win or try to be top 10 or try to be whatever. Um, it's just really cool. And then right after that, like, after the race, you're pumped um, or you're kind of, like, irritated because you ran not what you wanted to, but, like, you're ready for the next one. You're, like, I want to be back here. Or I want to be at the Olympic trials or wherever, and and have that moment again, and um, and get like the fullest out of my body, or do something I've never done before and race even better. Um, then typically when you're then then after that, like after those those brief moments where you're right before the event, you race, and then right after, um, you know, then it's hard to remember like those times because you're back home and. It's boring life. And,
0: you know. So it sounds like if like your body wouldn't completely break down because this is a completely unsustainable idea. It sounds like you would like in an ideal situation would go back to like a high school or college model where you're running, racing all the time. Obviously, you can't do that with a marathon. You can't be racing like eight marathons in a season. But like that, that, that sort of like, hey, we're going from race to race to race, almost as if there was like a, like, a elite pro running league where like you guys are just like on the circuit going from race to race to race that
1: that sort of thing might be a better fit um yeah but it would have to be i think it would have to be i don't know it'd have to be the right kind of invite because like i i think i do get really i get tired or like i my well, wife gets tired of it don't think but i get um i f- i'll feel exhausted kind of like easily so like traveling like is hard so i don't I can't do a lot of races like before a big race um, because traveling just take, like, when I get home, I mean, it's it's really like, I've never really done drugs, but, like, I'm assuming, like, you do, like, tons of cocaine and, like, you're really high, but, like, that crash is hard. And I feel like that's kind of how it is for me, like, after I get back from bit Like, it's, like, it takes me a while to, like, settle in, and, and any time I have shifts in my schedule... Um, even when my work schedule changes, it takes me, it takes me a while to like get back into a rhythm, back into a routine. So traveling like around the country and around the world for, for races a lot, um, it sounds fun, but I don't think I would actually do do very well because I just, I'm a very rhythmic person and I get, when I'm out of rhythm, I get really off, like going to Valencia, um, yeah, this past December, like, it just, I don't know, I, I couldn't adjust, and, and that race, it was cool, but it had a different feel, and it and it wasn't that fun, because I think I was just, like, so tired, and I was excited, so I didn't really realize how tired I was, because I wasn't sleeping, and I never adjusted to the time change, uh, and it was just, it, it wasn't a great experience. And I, I didn't even, I don't know, my body was so messed up. I didn't, I ran like a mile and I was pooping and everything, everything was just bad. Uh, so yeah, I think in an ideal thing I could have, like, uh, there'd be like a central Valley circuit and like all elite marathoners come to like my Valley and and we don't necessarily do a marathon (laughs) every week, but like all of my workouts are kind of like, somewhat races like uh, this is a, a 10k race but we're not going to run it like crazy fast we're just going to run it like 28 40 and it's going to be the my workout for the day and so just something like that and like you know i like little races around here and i do like race atmospheres um they're yeah they are really fun and i think a lot of pro runners like that they're just really fun um but yeah i just i don't know i feel like i i, I don't have a great tolerance for like um expending energy <laughs> interesting I
0: guess, yeah i don't know that's funny because from afar i would assume that you were almost like on the opposite end of the spectrum because seeing like some of the training you've done in the past and just well, knowing physically yeah no
1: physically it's different so like physically i feel like like right now i think i might just run like i've been running just like five minute pace on the treadmill pretty much every day for the past like two weeks but like I physically, I feel like yeah, I can I can do that. It's more like mentally, emotionally, and then if I'm on a schedule, like if if I could be like on a same schedule every single day, physically, I think I could like pretty much do anything. Like I could run a marathon every every day, probably. Like not, I mean yeah, almost at because a marathon's slower than the threshold, so I mean I could run it cl- like you could run pretty hard if if everything else was right, but it's just that like schedule wise and. I don't
0: know. All right. So yeah. it seems like, like you know a lot about yourself what works, what doesn't, and what are challenges. So when you're planning what 2023 is going to look like and leading into 2024, so early February, right? February 3rd, the trials are so, you know, not that far into it. So knowing all the things that you just said how do you plan 2022 or i'm sorry 2023 to put yourself in the best position not only for each race but also thinking for the trials in 2024
1: yeah i've been i've been trying to to think about that um just kind of balancing things cuz i i yeah after boston uh i'm not really sure what i'm going to do cuz i do feel like i need I need races to keep me motivated and, and to keep me, you know, enjoying the sport. Um, but I also just feel like really tired. Like I feel, I feel really just, just kind of tired and, and unenthusiastic about everything. So the, the idea of like another race or another marathon, like honestly doesn't really sound that fun. And, and even like Boston's been hard to like be excited for again. It's one of those things where I know when I'm in Boston and Kipchoge is there, and there's all the excitement that comes with you know the world record holder being there, especially him. Like, it's gonna be so amazing, but it's just like it. it's hard to, you know, as much as I try, like, I, I it's hard to like manufacture those feelings right now. Um, and I did, and it, yeah, just the thought of running, just like most of the days, the thought of running, just like I like. I always equate it to cauliflower because there was a time in my wife and I's life where we ate cauliflower like every day, roasted cauliflower, and we loved it. And something happened. There was one day I think I just ate too much and got like sick or something. But every time I smell cauliflower, think about cauliflower, I feel nauseous. Like it's only thing ever. Like I know people have said that before, but I thought thought they were crazy. But cauliflower now does that to me. And like now running, sometimes or like thinking about running races, like I'll have that same feeling, but it's like I can't have that feeling because like I had to run. So, so yeah, I'm I'm trying to find the right balance of doing enough that's gonna motivate me and and staying fit, but also making sure that it's timed right so that I can get very fit the first week of February. I don't remember the exact date of the trials, but I know it's the first week of February. Yeah, I think it's February. That's, 3rd. All, that, that's all that matters, because um, you can have fitness, you can be super fit November twenty twenty three, or even December twenty twenty three. But um, for me, like I get, I I do get into shape pretty fast, um, and when I'm in shape and I'm feeling good and I'm mentally good, obviously I can do pretty big things in training, so, so there's there's a big, you know, I can do a lot, Uh, and so if I have two to three good months where, like, I'm just, I'm enthusiastic mentally, I'm, I'm there, um, and and physically, I've obviously done enough that I don't have to have this huge, long build-up, I can just kind of, you know, go, um, then I'm gonna be fine, so I think it's just, it'll just be timing, um, and I'm trying to figure out how that timing will work but um yeah so i don't know i guess we have this series and so we'll all find out together <laughs>
0: yeah we'll be there every step of the way that's for yeah. sure okay cj this was great. Thank you for sharing open and honestly all the things that are going through your mind you know, now and in the past. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, so it is March 7th right now. In six weeks, we'll be at the Boston Marathon. So I'm sure we'll check in uh, before then for a little preview episode. But until then, good luck with all your training and thank you for coming on. All right. Yeah, thank you.